Foster, and this week on Living in the Pages, it's a treat for me to interview Kaylee Loring, whose work I genuinely love. We discuss her career as a screenwriter, the Nine Book Plan, and surviving Cocky Gate. Good morning, Kaylee. Good morning, Willa. Uh, how are you today? Uh, today's a good day. It's usually a good day. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's snowing here, and I can imagine it. it's not snowing where you are. It's not. It's uh, maybe raining. I actually don't have the curtains open right now, but uh, yeah, I'm in the in the Pacific Northwest, so um, it's uh, damp. Yes, <laughs> I do love it there, though. Do you really? I do. I, like I grew up in California, so I do prefer yeah. the sun, but I like it there, too. Yeah, I um I lived in LA for a really long time before I moved here, but uh, I actually really missed the seasons because I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So. Really, it's pretty good to be back. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you're back. Then <laughs> I have to tell you, you are my last podcast to air. Like, <laughs> I'm shutting you ever. down. Ever? <laughs> no, it's yes. This Got is going to be my last hurrah, and I've been so excited. I've been doing this Hello. for three years. Oh my god. And I'm so honored to have you. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm the last guest. No, <laughs> I am not because I feel like your books are so great. Thank you. Yes. I hope they make people happy. Well, The Very Bossy Christmas is <laughs> the funniest thing I've read in a long time. <laughs> Good. I-, I think it's actually the funniest book I've written so far. I was pretty inspired. Man, yeah. You had me (laughs) highlighting lines and everything, so kudos. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been such a crappy year for people, and I was like, you know, the, the, I can't, like, invent a vaccine, but I I can hopefully make people laugh and forget about what's going on in the world for a few hours, so I kind of gave it all my funny. It is so good. I want everyone to read it. And I didn't realize it was out already. I had written down that it was coming out later in the year. So I was saying to my friends, like, you've got to watch for this book. And then when I started researching you more like for this specific day, it was like, oh, it's out. Oh, my goodness. Read it right now. I know it came out before um, before Halloween. So. Because why not? Yes. 2020. We're doing everything different this year. Well, thank you for all of that amazing banter. Oh, it's uh, it's really fun to write. Tell me everything. Tell us how you <laughs> got started. Your background is so interesting. Yes. I'm so impressed that you actually did research because the other interviewers that I've done podcasts with so far have not. <laughs> yeah, so I I already had this whole 15-year career as a screenwriter in Hollywood before yes, transitioning. So, you know, the first uh, the first part of my whole adult life was kind of geared towards writing dialogue and writing for actors and mm-hmm. um and working with producers and uh, directors and um, writing writing screenplays is completely different from writing novels and being a screenwriter in general is just totally different mm-hmm. in terms of like the day-to-day of it uh, from being a self-published author. So I didn't, I didn't quite realize that when I made this change, but I, I've actually found that being an author really does suit me better um, mm-hmm. for my personality because when 
when you're a screenwriter, I always say like being a screenwriter is about 70% going to meetings and talking about scripts Uh, and potential projects, but also like the scripts that you've written. If you're working with someone, then it's like people are giving you notes. And as a writer, you have to like try and like nobody's trained on how to give notes for writers. (laughs) So you have to like just coax it out of them and kind of be like the notes whisperer. Half mind reader. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, you you do have to be very intuitive, but you also have to be very patient and a really good listener. Unfortunately, I am. (laughs) And uh, and then, you know, if you're lucky, about 25% of your time is actually writing. But of that writing, you know, if you're working with other people, you're writing treatments and outlines like you have all these steps that you have to go, like hoops that you have to jump through before mm-hmm. you actually get to go to script. And then you have this like glorious moment when you're um, on your own writing the first draft of the script. And then as soon as you turn it in, then you have to do many, many, many drafts before they feel confident enough to turn it into the studio. Mm. It's just a lot of rewriting, which again, I didn't mind and I, I was quite good at it. Because it's a lot easier to rewrite a script. Um, a script is, uh, like, especially a comedy script, which is what I wrote. I wrote um, mostly family comedies and romantic comedies. Like, when you're a funny female writer, you always get pushed towards <laughs> writing romantic comedies, which I actually, it's so funny. When I was a screenwriter, I actually hated writing rom-coms. Really? Yeah, because you have the most restrictions in that genre in film. Um, you really have to keep hitting all the beats that are expected and I I always kind of wanted to reinvent the wheel a little bit but because I was kind of immediately within the studio system rather than doing like cool quirky independent films I you know I I I never was like so outrageously rebellious that it was like super interesting and like oh we have to make this because it's so different I was always like just trying to kind of change one spoke of the wheel at a time and uh, <laughs> never but I was I was totally unproduced as a screenwriter which um <clears throat> which does happen a lot like I don't think people realize that um studios uh buy an awful lot of scripts that are just always in development mm-hmm. because they have to have things like ready to go for whatever reason but um I mean, honestly, it's just a huge waste of money, and it's just a ridiculous, it's a <laughs> weird a really system, ridiculous business paradigm. <laughs> but that's how it's been. Like the average career length for uh, an unpublished screenwriter is usually five years. So I was really, really lucky that I lasted three times longer than most unproduced writers. And by the way, I'm talking about like feature films. Like um, mm-hmm. if you're if you're a TV writer, things are great, and you're writing all the time, and you actually have power because you're a producer and things are you know fantastic because I would say to anybody who wants to be a screenwriter go into tv and and especially like for streaming now that's the only work that's really happening yeah I mean I was very lucky as you have to be in any career to begin with but uh you know I think people just really responded to my voice mm-hmm. as a writer and I think they just like me as a person because I um you know I, like I'm not a shrewd person by nature and you have all these like general meetings if people read your script and like it they want to meet you and 
you know, I learned later on that like men would go into meetings and they would have a plan and they would like pitch themselves for projects that they knew that the producer had and stuff like that. And I would just go into every meeting and be like, hey, let's be BFFs, show me <laughs> yeah. your kids kind of thing and, um, mm. and talk about how much I love their movies. And, and so I think people just kind of wanted to work with me. And so yeah. that's why I lasted as long as I did. And so anyways, the last couple of years of my career, I was actually a staff writer at, uh, at a studio. And so I was like locked in to write um, like PG, PG-13 family comedies for two years. And I couldn't work with anyone else because it was an exclusive deal. And it was a really great job and really fun. But I got out of there and I just wanted to write about sex and death. And <laughs> I kind of realized, like for the first time ever, and I kind of realized after a while that, you know, like everybody that I knew, all, all the representatives that I had had, all the fans that I had, they were all sort of in the comedy space. And so I would literally be starting over, you know, uh, 15 years into my career in yeah. Hollywood, which is all about the fresh new thing. So I was like, well, I can either start over here or I can start over in a completely different space and do it <laughs> do it in, in a world where it's mostly women and mostly, you know, like moms who are writing and have this and, and that's mostly who's like reading this stuff, you know, because when you're in in Hollywood, very few people really want you to be writing about women. It's mm -hmm. all about finding the uh, the male audience, you know, right. in feature films anyways. And so anyways, when I was still in L.A., I kind of woke up one day and I was like, OK, I'm not a screenwriter anymore. I'm going to write a book. And I figured I, I, real, I did know that romance was, you know, one of probably two genres where you could actually make a living eventually as a self-published author. And I definitely wanted to be a self-published author because um, you don't have a lot of control. Actually, you have really no control <laughs> as a right. writer when you're a screenwriter. Um, and so I wanted that. And, uh, and I read literally one and a half steamy romantic comedy novels <laughs> out there. And I was like, okay, I got it. You can do this. And yeah. And so I, I kind of novelized an unfinished um, romantic comedy that I had laying around and um, just added a little bit of sex. But because it was a screenplay, it was more um, kind of ensemble-y. Mm -hmm. So like for me, when I, I look at it, I can totally tell that it was originally a screenplay. Probably other people couldn't. But anyways, it, you know, it wasn't great, but it was good enough that it, it did okay. And I was like, okay, I can probably do this. And, and then I realized that I, there's no way I could afford to keep living in my <clears throat> huge house with a pool in Los yeah. Angeles where my, you know, like the property taxes alone were, I can't remember if it was like 12,000 or 17,000 oh. a year at that point. And I was like selling my book for 99 cents. Right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's make a real change. And so I spent like a whole year transitioning from like living in LA because I had to like, you know, get my house ready for market and sell it and figure out where to move to. And then I kind of had this like few months after I moved here where I didn't write or even think about writing at all for the first time in my adult life. And it was kind mm -hmm. of great. Like I didn't have writer's block, but I just was actually living. It was like really a real wonderful. break. Yeah. And then it was like this time 
three years ago now, I guess. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to get back into it. And so I <laughs> did another novelization <laughs> of another romantic comedy script. And it was worse than the first one because it didn't even really have a trope. But, you know, I just kept going. And my plan from the very beginning was that I would be like under the radar for my first nine books that I wrote. Oh, nine. Trust that. That's a big. Yeah, that was always the plan because I, well, because I had a lot of money saved from selling my house, fortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I had enough of a budget for, you know, some advertising too. But because I had already had that career as a screenwriter and I saw how people responded to my writing, I kind of just trusted that if I just kept focused on getting better at this format and the genre and learning everything that I needed to learn um, that eventually people would find my writing because like mm-hmm. I have really loyal fans in LA. I mean, they were all like paid to read my scripts basically, <laughs> but I still, but still, you know, you get a sense of what people respond to. Yes. And so I just, you know, I, uh, I trusted that it would happen eventually, but then like things kind of, what I wasn't expecting was Cocky Gate because like my, the fifth book yes. that I put out, I called um, I called it Cocky Nerd, and um, <laughs> bef- right before I uh, put out my next book, I I was contacted by a lovely author and I had oh. to change the title to Sexy Nerd, you know, which is is fine and I did it and I didn't make any noise about it and then, but apparently other <laughs> people did and all yes. these people found out about it. And I wasn't even real. I was like hardly even on Facebook at that point, but I just had so much support and this kind of little spotlight shone on me for a weird reason. But I, all these people bought my books just to support me and all these other authors who had to change their titles. And I did get a bunch of new fans because of that. And then my ninth book was back to bed and when I wrote it at the end of I guess it was like winter 2018 I really sort of luxuriated in the writing of it because I knew that after that book everything would change because I was the plan was like you know then I'll start doing social media and hiring a publicist and doing promotions and using cover designers and beta readers and editors and all that stuff and all these people would be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like took my time and, um, you know, I took however long I needed to write it. And I didn't even like post about it on Facebook to the few followers that I had until oh. I, uh, had like actually uploaded it to Kindle. And, um, and it actually ended up being this kind of sleeper hit. That's so fun. People really, really embraced it. And it just kind of kept going up in the ranks. And, and anyways, I, I did, I did do what I said I would do, like, and I hired people for, like, the next book, but mm-hmm. I was very lucky in that I kind of could coast along, uh, like, on the, like, tailwinds of Come Back to Bed with all these uh, other professionals behind me at this point. So <laughs> I'm fine with slow and steady wins the race, and I'm also, um, I also very much believe that things happen for a reason and things happen Mm -hmm. when they're meant to happen. So I love that. What would you say has helped most for you to learn the, what you needed to do to make this transition as far as changing your writing style? Honestly, just doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not, I would love to say that I have read a lot more romance novels, but (laughs) I haven't. 
I really haven't. I'm a terrible, terrible reader, but I certainly, I certainly have, I guess I, I guess I'm a really fast learner and I can pick up from, you know, and I do, I, I read reviews of my early books and I did learn from some of them. I certainly learned from the good reviews, what people liked. Mm -hmm. And I learned from the bad reviews, what people didn't like. And everything was duly noted. And I, I think it was by the, like by the fifth book, when I wrote Cocky Nerd, that was when I really found my voice as a romance author. That was, I think that was when I wrote my first kind of swoony <laughs> boyfriend <laughs> character. Um, I mean, he, it was very quirky, but people, that was the first guy that people really responded to. And then the next one, people even more responded to. So, you know, I learned to work the tropes mm -hmm. and I learned that people want book boyfriends like there and, and yes. people want all the feels. That's like, there's like all these terms in romance that <laughs> just don't have in Hollywood. Right. I would make notes, you know? So fun. So. Let's do a fast five. I'll ask you questions and you answer off the top of your head. Okay. Show you're binging. The last show that I binge watched was like the last season of Schitt's Creek. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually re-binging Sherlock, which is something I do every year because mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite shows. And yeah. I just I can just watch it so many times and always see something new. Favorite meal to prepare. To prepare. I mean, it used to, when I had a big kitchen in LA, I loved making big like holiday meals. I loved roasting a bird and making all the fix-ins and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But um, I bought a smaller uh, mid-century modern house here. And so my kitchen is very small and inadequate. And so honestly, I order out a lot here. So I, but I do <laughs> like, I, li actually, I really like making like roast vegetables because um, then you have this sort of like calming uh, effort of like chopping vegetables and then it's just like really easy you just like spread it out and um you know add the oils and flavorings and just mm -hmm. pop it in the oven do you have a one-click author kind of, no i mean i do have authors that i follow and that i really like but my um I really am a terrible reader. Like I will download books and even if I really love them when I start them, I don't necessarily finish them. <laughs> so I'm going to say Lucy score and Pippa Grant. Cause I do love them. Um, I very much admire Julie Ann and uh, I like Adriana Locke too. Those are like authors that I guess you could say I one click, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I actually, <laughs> you actually read they, their books. <laughs> even though, even if I love them, because I totally suck. Uh, flying or invisibility? Flying. What are you wearing? <laughs> I'm I'm wearing a. Sh um, I always wear a camisole. Basically, whatever. I'm always writing what my heroines are wearing. That's basically what I usually wear. So I I, wear, I will always wear like a camisole under a blouse but right now I have like a chambray shirt like a light chambray is that how you call it nice. shirt and yes. uh, skinny jeans Ooh. and barefoot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's your takeaway for 2020 <laughs> <laughs> for me personally I have actually learned how important it is to stay connected to people and actually be on social media mm -hmm. um prior to that I really wasn't I because I live alone with Cats and I'm never, because um, I'm an, an only child, I'm never actually 
lonely, but um, mm-hmm. I have really leaned into social media since l- lockdown in March, not like posting more, but um, I guess I sort of like comment more and stuff like that. And I just, I have so much interaction with readers and audiobook listeners, and it's been really, really wonderful for me. So I'm basically communicating with people um, almost all day, Hmm. every day now. And I think that has really saved me. Well, I think it's time for us to sing a song. Is it? It is. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to sing? How about rocking around the Christmas tree? Oh my God. Okay, you ready? Okay. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. <laughs> Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. Later we'll have some pumpkin pie and we'll do some caroling. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear voices singing. Let's be jolly, deck the halls with boughs of holly. Rocking around the Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. Everyone dancing merrily in the new old fashioned way. Oh, good Lord. I even heard a cat meow in there. Yes. He doesn't like it when I sing. So good. What's his name? Rabbit, but I call him Schmoopy. (laughs) Rabbit slash Schmoopy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Kaylee. Thank you. Well, congratulations on completing your series of podcasts. Yes, it's been a three year great time as a, I, I'm glad you didn't say ordeal no it's been so <laughs> I'm fun sure it was really interesting <laughs> it's been great I've enjoyed meeting all the wonderful people yeah well I can't wait to see what you come out with next oh thank you yeah I'm working on the next one well happy holidays to you thank you for the rest of your year you too <laughs> Any release dates we should be watching for? So the follow-up to A Very Bossy Christmas is a very friendly Valentine's Day, and it will come out probably mid-January. Yay! (laughs) Well, congratulations. I'm excited it's going so well. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, you guys, I'm kind of sentimental when I say this is my last episode of Living in the Pages. It's been so fun. Thank you so much for listening all this time. Uh, Thank you for cheering me on, sharing all the times you've shared these episodes. It's all meant so much. I love you all. Bye. Bye.